welcome to the Linnaean Society of London. If you know the extension of the... Please wait a moment. What if we don't stop? You know, what if the Paris Agreement, which a lot of countries signed to keep um, the temperature within the two degrees, is failing? What can we do to save what we have? We reckon that there are about 24,000 species of seaweed worldwide. And you can go all around the world and in the right habitats you will find seaweeds. I think what really intrigues me about them is just the extent of the different types that you find, the different shapes, the different colours, the fact that some are calcified, some are not, some are just one cell thick and yet they're incredibly tough. I'm Professor Juliet Brodie and I'm based at the Natural History Museum in London where I work as a full-time research scientist on seaweeds. So on the shore around Britain you often see a lot of brown seaweeds and that's one group of the seaweeds. But there are two others, there are red seaweeds and there are green seaweeds. And the red seaweeds are probably the most numerous in the oceans. The green seaweeds less so, green algae tend to be more in freshwater. And there are certain seaweeds that are used in aquaculture. So for example, some of the browns are used because they have a substance called alginate, which is extremely useful, like an emulsifier, and it's used in things like the head on beer, it's used in toothpaste, and there is some knowledge that the brown algae and their pigments can be very important in terms of keeping cancer at bay. In terms of the red seaweeds, they produce a sort of gelling agent called a carrageen or an agar. Agar is extremely important and it's been used traditionally to grow bacteria in microbiology. It's still used, it's one of the best substances for that. And these seaweeds are the basis of a multi-billion dollar industry. And I think people don't really realise that. So if we think about the red seaweeds, these are most numerous in the sea. And they're a very interesting group because of the extent of their diversity. So there are large red ones, for example, that wave about subtidally and make nice habitats for all sorts of different species. And then there are calcified seaweeds, so they have like chalk, a chalky skeleton, and that makes them rigid, and some of them can be free-living beneath the sea, and they form these very distinct habitats called mole beds, and, and each of those individual organisms are rhodoliths. My name is Leanne Melbourne. I did a PhD with the University of Bristol and the Natural History Museum. My PhD focused on the effects of climate change on seaweeds around the UK. The species that I looked at, I called them unattached corallines because they're coralline algae that's unattached. They can also be known as merl or rhodoliths. They provide the same ecosystem functions, so I wouldn't get too hung up on the names. So they're plants. 
they're marine macroalgae seaweeds but no they're not like the kelps that you normally see which are green and flowy about so originally if i remember correctly it the coralline bit comes from coral if when they were first seen they were like oh these look like corals so that's where that name kind of came from they calcify within their cell walls so it gives them this really hard chalky um, appearance they do look like corals and they can be mistaken for them but no these aren't corals they're plants they're seaweeds The structure of these organisms actually interlock together to create these habitats which support a wide range of organisms. They're a nursery ground to baby scallops and commercial species of fish like cod and therefore it's important that they can maintain their structure to maintain these habitats. The threats that they have really are things like pollution, so sewage outflow, sedimentation, so if it's been incredibly wet and you get a lot of sediment in the runoff, um, that can actually suffocate them. Fish farms and mussel farms, the wastage from that can smother and suffocate them as well. But I think the big real threat to them is going to be climate change. If we look at climate change and ocean acidification, This is where the increase in CO2 levels in the atmosphere dissolve into the ocean and change the chemistry. This will affect their structure and therefore affect the ability to maintain these habitats. If you imagine you can put an eggshell into vinegar and it will start to dissolve, well, what these calcified algae, it's a little bit like you might put them in a dilute acid and they could start to dissolve. And we don't really know what's going to happen to that in the long term, but there is the potential for these very important habitats to be degraded. My name is Federica Ragazzola. I'm a senior lecturer in marine science here at the University of Portsmouth, and my research is focusing on the effect of climate change on ecosystems, in particular um, coralline algae ecosystems. Uh, what we were interested in is to see, are the organisms only looking for shelter or do they also need the oxygen the, the coralline algae provide? And um, by creating this mimic, so this artificial reef, they have the same structural integrity. Creating the same habitat, will the species be as happy as in the real one? In order to create an artificial reef, we decided to actually create with a 3D printing a cast of the algae, um, taking, of course, all the information from the micro city. And then in this case, we use polymer, which resembles rubber, that was giving us the best uh, structural integrity that we could get, or as, as close as possible to the algae. The next step was then we put the artificial reef in the um, real coralline algae reef. coralline algae and they're calcified and they have their skeleton but they're articulated so they have 
a bit of calcification, then like a little break, and then calcification. So they're like sort of beads, and that makes them flexible in the water. Our hope with the experiment is to help the organism that lives um, inside the, uh, the coralline algae. Just because they are in the same environment, that doesn't mean the animal will like rubber algae as much as the, the natural algae. But actually, we had the same fauna in the mimics and in the real reef. I think the major point that came across from my research was that with climate change and ocean warming especially, this creates more energy in the, in the oceans. And what we'll see is more intense and more frequent storms. And this stormier conditions are going to be what really affects them. They're more likely to break. What will happen is that you'll lose the habitat it forms and the organisms that live within them. And then also, if they break too much and they're too small, then they will be more susceptible to smothering. So they'll basically suffocate under all that silt and sedimentation on the seabed. <laughs> 